Uh, we're going to talk about the ascension of a prophet. Uh, the church recognizes that Jesus ascended. And in fact, there's actually a day that the church typically observes. It just passed. It was Thursday. And it celebrates the ascension of Jesus. Some churches make a big deal of Jesus going, un- going to heaven. And others don't even mention it. Um, but it is something very important. The ascension of Christ. Christ ascending to heaven is very important because through the ascension, Jesus is building his church. He is interceding in heaven and he is reigning over all. For our time together, I want to look at two portions of scripture. Second uh, Kings 2.10 to 15. That's the Old Testament passage that I want to look at. And I want to look at a passage within the New Testament, um, Luke 24.49-53. But uh, the first passage, 2 Kings 2, 10 to 15, is an interesting passage. Those who have spent some time within church, you might have heard of this story. Maybe you haven't, and this is the first time, but it's a very interesting story. So there's these two prophets. There's Elijah and Elisha. Elisha is like the protege of Elijah. And Elisha asks Elijah, hey, give, give me your spirit or give me a double portion because Elijah had a great ministry and Elisha wanted to have a similar ministry, a similar work. So he asked Elijah, give me your spirit or give me your anointing. And Elijah responds, as we see in 2 Kings 2.10, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. So if Elisha sees Elijah go to heaven, Elisha would, be, would receive this ministry. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along together and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. It was a form of mourning. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho, who were watching, said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. So Elijah did receive the spirit of Elijah, of Elisha. I know these names, Elijah, Elisha, very similar. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And then the New Testament passage, Luke 24, 49 to 53. This is Jesus talking. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed from, with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. 
Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Two stories, one from the Old Testament and the other from the New Testament. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that you have done. Thank you for bringing us here today. I pray that today we may understand the importance of the ascension of Jesus. This sounds kind of weird that Jesus ascended, but let us understand the importance of it. And I pray that you, Father, that you may meet with everyone here, bring them peace and comfort and strength with whatever they're going through. Bring them what they need to persevere and help them understand how the ascension of Jesus relates to that. That that helps, actually. That Jesus ascended actually helps us. Father, may you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Christianity depends on the good news story of Jesus Christ. When we share the good news story, as all of us should be doing, we typically talk about the birth of Jesus. Maybe some of the miracles and some of the teachings of Jesus. And then we talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But we rarely talk about the ascension. We don't really talk about Jesus ascending to heaven. We talk about Jesus rising from the dead on Easter. But, but then we think if he rose from the dead, if the tomb is empty and he is alive now, where is he? We say he is alive, but where is he? The ascension plays a critical role in explaining where Jesus is at and why he's there. The ascension speaks about Christ going up from the earth into heaven, where Christ is currently seated at the right hand of the Father. And it's something we should all think about when we think about the good news of Jesus. Part of the good news, and this is good news, is that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Without this view, without the ascension, we are missing a significant part of Christ's work. If Jesus didn't ascend, his work was incomplete. Without the ascension, there is a massive hole in the story. We need the ascension, and we need to talk about it. And the fact that we don't talk about it now is quite embarrassing. Douglas Farrow, he's a scholar, and he said, it is remarkable how little mention the ascension gets these days. Once it was seen as the climax of the mystery of Christ, today it is something of an embarrassment. As I said before, the ascension is neglected. We usually skip over it when we talk about Christianity. We say Jesus did great things. He died for our sins. He resurrected and he'll be back. But we really don't talk about the ascension and what he is currently doing. Maybe part of the reason that we don't really talk about it is that the story of the ascension of Christ only occurs in two places. One is in Luke the passage we read, and the other is in Acts. 
Perhaps another reason that we don't talk about the ascension is that it just, it's just weird. Like Jesus resurrected from the dead. Cool, he's alive in his body. And then he just goes to heaven. Like, no, Jesus, just stay here. You're in your body. Why don't you just stay in this in your glorified body. I think most of us would think that it would have been so much better if Jesus just had stayed in his glorified body here on earth. And if he went to heaven, it would have been so much better that he, he would stay. Imagine how easy evangelism would be. Imagine we're like, hey, you know, Jesus died and he resurrected. And look, he's in Jerusalem right now. Like he's walking in Jerusalem. You could actually see him and go visit him. Look here, you could be, maybe he's on Facebook and you could show people a video like, hey, here he, here he is. He, he has been living in his glorified body for such a long time. And I think it would also be a bit more comforting to know, that, you know, to see him in his physical body. Um, because currently we we don't experience, well, we do experience, but we trust in God's comfort. Like we, we close our eyes and in hope and, and in faith, we believe that he is comforting. But how much easier would it be if he was here physically comforting us through our sorrows, being right next to us, even through our prayers, how much easy, easier it would be if, he, he was, if we were just talking to him. Sometimes prayer and our relationship with him is so hard because we just don't see him. So we imagine that it is better for him to stay here in his physical body, but it, the, the, the ascension just looks bad. Like, why did Jesus just, why did he go up? Wasn't the resurrection enough? just seems weird. And we know stuff from astrophysics, from science, from Newton's laws. We know these laws about gravity. But yet, Jesus ascended into the clouds without a NASA spacesuit or a rocket ship or a jetpack. How is that even possible? Like, okay, I, I, I get healing. I get the re- resurrection. These are tools that God uses to bring restoration. But why take Jesus and make him go to heaven? What wasn't the resurrection enough? And all of these questions are valid. But the ascension is important. And today we will unpack it and see that the work of Christ was not complete until he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And although there are only two accounts of the ascension in the Bible, there are a significant number of references to the ascension. Jesus predicted the event. It was so important to Jesus that he would ascend. Matthew 26, 64. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man, talking about himself, sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming coming on the clouds of heaven. The story comes from Daniel 7, 13, 14, a passage that was written centuries before Jesus, which spoke about the ascension. Daniel speaks about a vision that he had in, in my vision at night. I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, who was God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power 
all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus, the son of man, went to the father. Jesus repeatedly said that he was going back to the father. And this was super important for the church that throughout the first centuries, what was central within their sermons, within their preachings, was that Jesus had ascended. If you look at the five messages that Peter preached in the book of Acts, you will see that he implicitly or explicitly referenced, preached about the ascension, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And the ascension is important because it connects the work of Christ with the work of the Spirit through the church. The ascension is the hinge point. It connects the work of Christ and the work of the church. The church saw this, and that's why the church would include within their like what, their statement of what they believed, they would always include that Jesus had ascended. In the Apostles' Creed, it says, he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. In the Nicene Creed, Jesus ascended into heaven. From thence, he shall come to judge the quick and the wicked. The first council of Constantinople, Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. From where he will come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. The church saw the importance of Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father. And the list goes on and on. You would see that the church regularly referred to the ascension. Evidently, the ascension is a vital component to the Christian faith. One of my professors, he wrote in his, this, his book that he wrote on the ascension, he said, the ascension not only confirms Christ's work, but continues Christ's work. Just because he went to heaven doesn't mean that his work has stopped. He once labored on the earth. Now he labors in heaven. We don't have time to speak of all the implications of the ascension and its significance. But I do want to see the implications of the ascension through the lenses of Jesus being a prophet. When Jesus ascended... He ascended as a prophet. When Jesus ascended, a prophet ascended. And when he ascended, he did not lose power. He did not pause his prophetic task. Instead, when Jesus ascended, he gained prophetic power. And also through the ascension, Jesus has empowered his people and united them for his prophetic work. Because Jesus ascended, Christ's prophetic work has been advanced into a higher gear. Okay, so all this talk about Jesus being a prophet, it may sound foreign to us because we don't really use that word prophet so much nowadays. While Jesus was more than a prophet, he was still a prophet of God. He was more than a prophet, not less, but he was 
a prophet of God. Yes, people saw Jesus as the Son of God. The church has even seen Jesus as the true God and as true man. And for most of church history, they have seen, Christians have seen Jesus as, as, as God. He is God of God. He is God, fully God. He is the Christ, the Messiah. However, the ordinary Jew during the time of Jesus first thought of Jesus not as God, but as a prophet. And the gospel writers, who were mostly Jews, depict Jesus as a prophet. In fact, Jesus would refer to himself as a prophet. When he spoke about his, uh, the people from his hometown rejecting him, Jesus referred to himself as a prophet. Jesus said to them in Matthew 13, 57, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. The crowds refer to Jesus as a prophet as well. Luke seven sixteen. they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet, talking about Jesus, a great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. And also in Matthew 21, 11, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus was a prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. He was like Daniel at Malachi. He was like Ezekiel and Isaiah. He was a prophet and his ministry and teachings were prophetic. N.T. Wright said that Jesus arrived like the prophets of old, like the old one, like Malachi, the, the prophet that we just saw. He, he came coming to, his, uh, to his Israel with a, with a word from her covenant God, warning her of the imminent and fearful consequences of the direction she was traveling, urging and summoning her to a new and different Jesus was a prophet. And the ascension of Jesus confirmed, authorized, and endorsed that Jesus was a prophet. But again, okay, so Jesus is a prophet. But what are prophets? Don't, don't think of like modern day prophets. Think of real biblical prophets. And these three things would follow these prophets. Prophets were empowered by God's spirit. They proclaimed the word of God and performed signs and wonders. The prophet Moses had the spirit rest on him according to Numbers eleven seventeen. This is God speaking. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you. The power of the spirit was on the prophet Moses and then he takes some of the power of the spirit and put it on them on the people they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone so according to this verse God had given the power the spirit to Moses and now he's giving it to others so they could work like Moses other prophets like Ezekiel had the spirit Ezekiel 2 2 as he spoke the spirit came into me and raised me 
to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. The prophet Micah, another prophet, all these prophets are saying that the Spirit of God had, had empowered them. Look at Micah. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might. Prophets were filled with the presence of God to speak the word of God and to perform signs that pointed God's truth of their ministry. And boy, did the prophets preach. Moses, who was not an eloquent speaker, he wasn't good at speaking, he was slow to speak. He, he was given the spirit of God and would speak through the spirit, and the, or rather the spirit would speak through Moses. Exodus 4, 10 through 12. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Lord, I have never been eloquent. I'm not good at speaking, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow to speech and tongue. But look at the, what the Lord said to him. Who, have, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. Prophets would speak what God had to say. And they said God's words with intentionality. They were intentional with the words that they would use. The prophet Isaiah, another prophet, maybe you remember the story of Isaiah going to the temple and he saw the throne of God and he saw that the beauty and the majesty that filled the temple. And in that scene, he sees this angel, Isaiah 6, 6 through 9, the seraphim, flew to him, flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people. So we see in this scene, God cleaning the mouth of Isaiah so he could be a prophet and speak the word of God because it was super important for prophets to preach the word of God. Here's another story from Jeremiah. Maybe you've heard this before. Jeremiah 1, 5 through 6, this is God speaking, telling Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And look how Jeremiah responds. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. God had appointed Jeremiah as a prophet. Even before he was even born, before when he, when he was in the womb, God had already appointed Jeremiah to be a prophet. But Jeremiah was like, I am too young to speak. But God touched his lips and gave him words. Jeremiah 7, 9 
Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to say, and to, I send you to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. God inspires prophets to speak what he wants them to speak. And God empowers them to do signs and wonders. The signs that we see with the Exodus, maybe you know the story of Moses. We've been talking, it for, talking about it for a while now. But God gave signs and wonders to Moses so that the people could believe that Moses was actually sent by God. Because Moses asked, you could look at the story, we won't spend too much time on it, but Exodus 4, 1 through 9, you could find the story where Moses is saying, what if they don't believe that you sent me? And God said, I, I will give you signs. He, he, Moses has the staff and God makes the staff into a snake. And then God continues to use Moses, turns the river into blood. And God continues to do these signs and wonders to verify so he could help the people understand that Moses is a prophet of God. And then the prophet Elijah, the prophet that we read about in the beginning, he raised a widow's son caused rain to cease and called fire from heaven to fall and all of those things happen. Prophets did not only have the spirit of God, did not only speak God's word, but they did signs and wonders, miracles. And there were great prophets. But even though these prophets were great, there, there was always a sense that a better prophet would come, a perfect prophet. Moses had hoped in Deuteronomy 18 15 the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your fellow Israelites you must listen to him so there was always this hope that a better prophet would come that a prophet would be raised and we know that this prophet is Jesus Jesus had the spirit as we saw in the baptism of Jesus. Jesus spoke God's word and did signs and wonders. The work of prophets in the Old Testament were just shadows of what the ultimate prophet, Jesus, what he would do. Jesus was the prophet who fulfilled the role of the Old Testament prophets while on earth. And even after Jesus ascended, he was still a prophet. But a shift did occur. In the beginning of our time, I read from 2 Kings 10 to 15. And it was a story between Elisha and Elijah. And I won't take time to read it again. But hopefully you are familiar with this story and you're paying attention when we Read it, and maybe you don't remember, that's totally fine, but it is an interesting story. Elijah was a great prophet in the nation of Israel, and the climax of his life was that he was dramatically taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. 
It's a crazy story. And when Elijah was taken up to heaven, his prophetic protege, Elisha, who was present, he, he received a double portion of the spirit that Elijah had. That is, when Elijah ascended, Elisha received Elijah's ministry and a double portion of the spirit or of the anointing. It was a hard task for Elisha to continue to do the ministry of Elijah. Elijah's ministry, it was great. He did signs and wonders. But because Elijah ascended, the power of Elijah went to Elisha. And Elisha continued, was, it was able to continue the ministry of Elijah. Because Elisha witnessed, because he was able to see that, he, he saw Elijah go up with fire and these chariots. And because he saw this, he had the power to do what Elijah had done. And Elisha, we saw the story that after he saw this, Elisha took a cloak the cloak of his master, and struck the water, and the water parted in two. And when the people saw Elisha, they said, the company of the prophets who were watching, they said this, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. Now read this story with the ascension of Christ. Christ was a prophet like Elijah. And the disciples, the apostles, and all the disciples of Jesus, and we are invited as well through the scriptures to witness the ascent like Elisha. The disciples were gazing, looking at Jesus' ascent. And then the prophet Jesus, like Elijah, he, he went up, and he gave his spirit to his disciples. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples received the spirit of Jesus. As Elisha was supposed to continue the work of Elijah, the disciples were supposed to continue the work of Jesus. And as people recognized that the spirit of Elijah was now in Elisha, People are supposed to recognize that we, the disciples of Jesus, have the spirit of Jesus within us. That we are continuing the work of Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate prophet. He had the spirit. He preached the word of God. He performed signs and wonders. Jesus was superior to all the prophets before him. He preached Perfectly, and he made disciples perfectly. He is the prophet who ascended just like Elijah and then gave his spirit just like Elijah. And he didn't give it to just one person like Elijah. Unlike Elijah, he gave his spirit to an entire community, to the church. That's why. The ascension is a good thing. Without the ascension, we would not have the spirit of Christ. Now, all we would have would be Jesus physically present, which is great, but he's just limited to that body. 
and we wouldn't rely on the Spirit. It is better for us to have His Spirit in us, in all of us, in a more real way. And through His Spirit, Jesus continues to preach the Word. Not only at a mountain like he did years ago, centuries ago, but he preaches it to all of us when we open the words, when we just meditate, when we pray. Through the Spirit, Jesus preaches to our hearts. The Spirit of God also continues to empower us to do the work of God. If Jesus was here physically, people would not work or continue to do the work of Christ People would not rely on or appreciate the gifts of the Spirit. Or even they, they, they wouldn't work as they should if Jesus was here. They would say, oh, Jesus, he, he, got to, he has it. We don't have to work. Evidently, the ascension is crucial. Jesus said in John 16, 7, as we are coming to a close, but very truly I tell you, it is good, it is for your good, that I am going away, that I am ascending. It is good. Unless I go away, the advocate, oh, this was a title also for the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is good that Jesus left. It is good that Jesus ascended. It is good because now he could send the advocate, the spirit, so that we, a community, can do the work of Christ, continue the prophetic work of Christ, so that we could be comforted and loved and feel peace, shalom, in this chaotic world, in this world full of tohu vavohu. And look, we don't know exactly where Jesus went to heaven. Heaven is more of a, of a state than a than a locality, than a place. When Jesus went to heaven, we do know he went to the right hand of the Father, and we do know that he didn't leave us empty. He gave us his spirit. And through his spirit, Jesus is not less present, but more present. It's inaccurate to say that Jesus is no longer with us. But it is accurate to say that he is not with us bodily, but he is with us through his spirit in a deep way. And his spirit strengthens us to move with life, to do God's work with joy in and outside of the church walls, to cultivate the fruit of the spirit, to have peace and joy and love, self-control, disciplined faith. Jesus is present. The Messiah's prophetic work didn't stop at the ascension. Rather, when he ascended, it continued and it increased and multiplied. Jesus filled his people with his spirit. And now we have the presence of Jesus. We have, we, we, we've been empowered. Now we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are now the body of Christ, who by the Spirit enacts the will of Jesus on earth. And we have spiritual gifts to do the will of God. 
and we must use them to bring the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. The ascension is good news. We have the spirit of God. Let's all pray where we're at. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting with us, Lord. And I pray that all of us may recognize that the ascension of Jesus is good. It is very good. Because through it, we recognize that, you know, we, the physical body of Jesus is great, but now we could have the spirit of God within our hearts. That we could have the spirit of Jesus that brought joy and, and life. That we could have that spirit within us and now we could live abundantly. We don't have to live in fear or sadness, but we could live in hope and joy. We have the spirit of God. We could walk with strength, with authority. We could walk knowing that Jesus ascending, ascended, trusting that we would be able to do his work. He trusts you to do his work. He has given you his spirit. He has given you the abilities to move forward, to live a fruitful life. Rely on his spirit. Trust in his spirit. The ascension was a good thing. And let us trust in that. I pray that this week we may walk confidently knowing that your spirit is with us. For those who call themselves disciples of Christ, you have given your spirit to us. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you all for coming today. Um, we will be having one more service here at Gravity Church. That will be on next Sunday. Um, and we are actually starting a new series next Sunday. And it, it's going to be interesting. If you want to invite a friend, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Um, I'll be speaking. and We're also going to have other people speaking throughout this series, giving their view and teaching and their perspective on forgiveness. Um, forgiveness is very important for the church to practice. As we are spirit-filled, we need to learn how Jesus forgave, you know, and we want to be able to forgive like he did. And that's why we're going to spend some time, about four weeks or so, on forgiveness. And I know that there's a lot of people who want to learn about forgiveness. And so if you have a friend or somebody that you want to invite, uh, invite them. Um, even when we switch to the other place, we're still going to talk about forgiveness then. Um, but it is exciting, and I hope you prepare your hearts for that. Uh, but without further ado, uh, you guys are dismissed. Um, thank you all for coming and spending time, and I hope that you've been inspired and encouraged. God's Spirit is with you. Jesus ascended because he trusts that the Spirit of God will come in you and that we will be able to do the work of Christ.